0: Revelation chapter 5, it is said that we reign on the earth. What's happened is that God's original intention for man has been restored to us in Christ. We are what we were meant to be right now and that will be realized in the future. Welcome to the Semper Reformator Podcast. Spreading the word and contending for the faith. Revelation chapter 5. And the verses that I want to bring to your attention are verse 8 down to verse 10. Revelation 5 verse 8 down to verse 10. And... Let me remind you of what it says. Now when he had taken the scroll, the the lamb had taken the scroll, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the beasts, and the twenty-four elders, fell down before the lamb, each having a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and hath made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Absolutely marvelous words. Praise in heaven. Sometimes, you know, whenever we meet in in Ballymacashan here on the Lord's Day morning, sometimes it would be easy to get a wee bit down when you consider that there's only a handful of people who meet together week after week, but we never should do that. Well, we know, of course, that where two or three are met together in Christ's name, that he is with us that he's in the midst of us. But we are human and we have human emotions and human affections and it can be difficult for us sometimes. Last week we had Elizabeth with us and Elizabeth had long attended the assembly here uh, maybe ten years or more ago and there was mornings that the congregation here in church consisted of two people, me and Elizabeth. And uh, thankfully that's no longer the case. But we kept going. The one thing that brought encouragement was what we find here in Revelation chapter 5. Because Revelation chapter 5 is about the worship of God. Revelation 4 about worshipping God who created the whole world, the universe. Revelation chapter 5 about the worship of God who redeemed us, the Redeemer. Remember, last week we learned that Jesus had taken the scroll that nobody else could open, for only he was worthy of opening the scroll. The Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and the worship of the Lord had begun, as all of creation fell down before him and began to sing his praise. And that's where we pick up our text this morning. And I want you to see three simple things. That our praise right here in our local church is heard in heaven. Secondly, that Christ is magnified and lifted up in our praise. And thirdly, that in our praise the church's future is declared. Now, thinking about that this morning, and it was too late to change the notes. I'm thinking maybe I should have changed that to the church's status in Christ is declared. And I'll explain that as we go along. Right. Our praise is heard in heaven. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. We're worshipping the Lord Jesus. I want you to see the bearers of our praise here. These four living creatures and these 24 elders. Revelation, full of symbolism, isn't it? So we need to try and get behind the symbolism and work it out and try and discover more about these symbolic entities. Think of their numbers. There's three numbers mentioned. We're only going to look at two of them. Number four and number 24. Well, number four, what does that mean? Four bases, four living creatures. Last week, I simply told you that these indicate the totality or the completeness of the natural world creation. The four winds and the four seasons and the four points of the compass. I've given you some text references in your notes that you can look up when you go home and you'll be able to see those referenced. The psalmist tells us, the heavens declare the glory of God. Now we need to note that carefully, that in chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Revelation, the created order, the world, the universe, all of nature, falls down to worship God. Jesus said on the road into Jerusalem for the final time, that even if his saints didn't praise him, the very stones along the road would cry out his praise. So nature is worshipping God. Keep that in your mind. And then there's 24 elders. And who were these 24 elders? Well, it tells us in chapter 4, verse 4, if you look at it just for a wee moment, just turn back in your Bible. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. Now there's the key to who these people are. They're not angels. Angels are not clothed in white robes. Who wears white robes? Who wears white garments in heaven? It's the saints of God, isn't it? The saints of God wearing robes of white, clothed and cleansed in the blood of Christ, redeemed and, and brought into glory, and are clothed in white garments. So, these 24 elders are symbolic of the completeness of the church. The Old Testament church, represented in the Old Testament by 12 tribes, the New Testament church, represented by 12 apostles, 12 and 12, 24. All of the church. Every single believer in every age. And they're worshipping Christ right throughout history. So we've got their numbers here and we've got their posture because we're told that they fell down. They prostrated themselves before the Lord. They fell down as if dead. Now, let's be careful not talking here about the Toronto blessing. You know that business where somebody came up to the front of the church and some American evangelist would put their hands on them and they would fall back. And just as they fell back, somebody would conveniently be there to hold them so they were nice and gently lowered down onto the ground. Well, you see, that's not what's happening here. The Greek word pipto, which is used here, is exactly the same word that Jesus used in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18 when he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's the same word that's used for fall. This is not somebody gently lowering you to the ground so that you can lie on the back and wiggle your toes for a few minutes and then get up and walk away. These elders are crashing to the ground in front of the Saviour. They're falling on their face, and there's nobody to catch them. So we have their numbers, and we have their posture, and we have their music, for their singing songs, and they're playing harps. Now you have to look for symbolism. Because quite honestly, sometimes you see photographs of little cherubes in heaven sitting playing little harps, and you think, well, is that what I'm going to be doing for all of eternity? Not at all. But the harp is one of the earliest forms of musical instrument. In fact, it's referred to right back at the beginning of Genesis, Genesis chapter 4, verse 21. It's just simply strings tightened on a frame. But you know, if you hear a good harpist, the music is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely wonderful. The sound of the harp is symbolic of the sound of heaven. And I've given you references again in the notes that you can look up when you go home. The sound of peace, the sound of joy, the sound of praise, when Saul was troubled in his soul. What did David do? He played on the harp. His soul was restored. Soul restored in heaven. There's also song in heaven. One unique feature of the Christian church is our song. We sing. The Psalms are the songbook of God, given by God to his people to enable us to worship him with words that are his and are pleasing in his sight. So we have the bearers of our praise. We've seen their numbers, we've seen their posture, we've seen their music. And if these elders, these 24 elders, sitting on thrones around the great throne of God, if they're representative of the whole church, of every age, and that logically includes us, they're representing us. They're presenting before God the prayers of the saints. Remember that every prayer we pray implies praise. Every prayer that we pray is prayed in the expectation that God will answer our prayers, that His will will be done. Jesus taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer, which starts with praise Our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name holy is the Lord it finishes with praise for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever all of creation all of the redeemed people of God around the throne praising and worshipping the saviour and that includes us right here we are not alone And that praise is described as incense. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes this. Walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Look at how valuable our praise is even us, it's presented to God, and we're still in verse 6, in a golden bowl. No, you know, a lost art in restaurants these days. Um, years ago, waiters were taught a thing called silver service and they had to serve you especially in fancy hotels and and at wedding receptions and so on, you had to be taught what way you you approach the table, and how you lay the table, and, and what side you serve from it was called silver service and it was meant to be a higher form of presentation than what you get in your average cafe or restaurant, where they come out and they slap the food down the table in front of you, maybe and they tell you to and get it yourself. Our praise is presented before God, not in a silver service, but in a golden bowl. It's valuable. These gold bowls are so valuable that they're in the hands of the church, the elders, And the prayers they contain are safely delivered up before God, which is like a precious incense rising up to please God. So in Psalm 141, the psalmist wrote, May my prayer be set before you as incense, the raising of my hands as the evening offering. A wee word of caution. Roman Catholic Church would encourage us to pray to the saints, wouldn't they? They would say there are people who have died and gone before and they're in heaven and we should pray to them so that they can offer our prayers before God and they look at this verse and they will say that's just what's happening here, it's not. Jemison Fawcett and Brown's commentary warns us this gives not the least sanction to Rome's dogma of our praying to saints though they may be employed by God in some way unknown to us to present our prayers nothing is said here of their interceding for us and we are told to pray only to Christ their own employment is praise which is why they have arms ours is prayer So our praise is ascending to heaven, even when we're singing here, even though we may be a wee bit out of tune, even though we haven't got any musical accompaniment, even though our voices are simply making a joyful noise unto the Lord, our praise is ascending to heaven right into the very throne room of God the Father where it's being offered to him as a sweet-smelling sacrifice of praise. And we've only got to verse eight. We better move on. Let's look at how Christ is magnified in our praise. Because the object of our praise is always the Lord Jesus Christ. And so these elders, as they present the, the, the prayers and, and the praises of the saints, they sing you are worthy. Christ is worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, worthy to open the seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood and of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. We worship him because he is worthy of our praise. He's worthy because he is the lion, the mighty conqueror. He's worthy because he's the Lamb, the Lamb of God who defeated death in his own atoning death on the cross. He's worthy because only he could purchase our redemption. We praise him out of gratitude. think you have to pause in our praise sometimes. And we have to be reminded of what the Lord has done for me. For you. We have to be reminded of the extent of his saving work in our lives. We have to appreciate the value of our salvation, what we were saved from, what that salvation meant, what it entailed, what it cost, what we are saved to be in the future how when we think of those things how can we not lift our hearts and our voices in praise to the Lord Jesus we have been blood bought and blood washed we are reconciled to God we are brought into God's kingdom and we cry with the elders in glory worthy is the Lamb and lastly in verse 10, we see that the church's status and indeed future is declared. In verse 10, it says that Christ has made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. I think part of our praise that rises to God is to thank him For the change in our status. Not just now, but for all of eternity. Right now and forevermore, we have been brought out of slavery and bondage to sin. We have been made to be kings. Kings doing battle for God and his army. The purpose of a king is to wage war. And as we've seen when we did that in the Catechism class, And priests, our purpose as a priest is to intercede on behalf of others, to offer sacrifices of praise, to lay down our own lives as living sacrifices for God. So Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people, that you might proclaim the praises of him, who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. We've been given responsibilities to praise, to pray, to worship God, to be part of his army. Now that's all very easy to understand. It's the last part of the verse that is difficult. Verse 10, And we shall reign on the earth and the question is when well to understand the meaning of that little phrase we shall reign on this earth we need to go right back to the book of Genesis we need to go from the last book of the Bible to the first book of the Bible as believers we are have been and one day shall be Restored to the condition that we were in before the fall. We shall be made to be, and we have been made to be, and I'll explain this in a minute, as God originally intended us to be. As Adam and Eve were meant to be, were created to be, were created to have fellowship with God. And now our fellowship with God has been restored in Christ and at the last day when there will be a new heaven and a new earth, a recreated earth when there will be no more sin where everything will be as God intended the earth to be before Genesis chapter 3 and the fall of man when sin entered into the world. Now let's explore that for a wee moment. Turn right back in your Bible to the book of Genesis. And I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. It can't be too hard to find. It's the very first chapter in the entire Bible. Genesis chapter 1. And I want you to read with me from verse twenty-seven, Because we're going to see what man was created to do. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Now the next part should be underlined in your Bible. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the earth, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now mark that very, very carefully. We were created to have dominion, to rule, in other words. Adam and Eve placed in the Garden of Eden, given these distinct instructions, they are to rule over the earth. That's the purpose of mankind, to rule over the created order. But in chapter 3, they crushed to ruin after the fall, they're put out of the garden, and the garden is sealed up to them. And from that day to this day, mankind has been unable to fulfill his true purpose. We were created to rule the earth, to have dominion over the earth. What has happened? Because of sin, because of the fall of man, that has been reversed. In fact, we've come to the point We're not only are we not ruling over the earth as we ought to do, but we've come to the point that mankind is actually worshipping the earth. The earth is ruling over us. That's the climate change cult. They want us to sacrifice our children to their goddess. They want us not to have any more babies. They want us to live in relationships that are not productive to having children. That's why the homosexual agenda is being promoted in this country. It's why abortion is being forced on Northern Ireland. They want to reduce the population. They want us not to have children to save the planet. That's what they're telling us. We learned about this some months ago when we talked about Malthusianism. So what's happening here? Earth is ruling over us. That's the depths of sin and depravity of mankind after the fall. Everything has been reversed. Man, created to rule, is being overruled by creation. Now, Revelation chapter 5, it is said that we reign on the earth. What's happened is that God's original intention for man has been restored to us in Christ. We are what we were meant to be right now, and that will be realized in the future. Our true purpose has been restored. Like Adam and Eve before the fall, we are in complete fellowship with the God who created us we are able to enjoy his presence to glorify him and to enjoy him forever and glorify his name we're doing and being what we were meant to do and what we were meant to be as Christians we're not worshipping creation we respect God's creation we tend God's garden we preserve the earth But we are not overruled by it. Instead, we are joining together with creation in worshipping the God who is our creator and our redeemer. We are met together here as a small group of Christians and sometimes we seem so isolated. Being isolated from other churches doesn't make us isolated from God. When we meet together and pray and sing his praises, we join with the gathered church around the throne. And as a complete church, our praises are presented before the throne of God in a golden, precious bowl full of beautiful incense. And together with the saints of every age, it is poured out in praise before God's throne for Christ Is enthroned with the Father. One day, because our praise already rises to heaven, one day we shall present that praise in person, in a glorious new body, in complete fellowship with God, fully restored to being what creation.